I appear calm on the outside, but on the inside I'm shouting. I'm rejoicing. I'm doing somersaults. That's the only way I can do them now is in my imagination, but I sure rejoice in that good singing. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of Luke in chapter 4. The book of Luke in chapter 4, we will begin reading in verse number 16. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 16, the Bible says, And he, talking of Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I want to preach today on this subject, God cares for the broken. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would fill me and use me according to your will for your honor and your glory. I pray that you would use the message to encourage the discouraged. I pray that you would use the message to save the lost. I pray that you would use it to stir those that are away from you and encourage them to return to fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us when we were unlovable and yet today undeserving of salvation, and yet we are grateful and we are thankful. Bless the message, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus described his work and ministry in terms of healing the broken. In Luke chapter 4, we find the Lord Jesus returning to his hometown after being out and about in ministry and in the public in surrounding towns. The news of his miraculous work, of course, had found its way to Nazareth and to the town where he had grown up. Jesus attended the service on the Sabbath day and he stood up so he could read and in standing up he was requesting permission to read and so they gave to him the book and the Bible said he found Isaiah and the 61st chapter. He began to read of Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3. The Bible said every eye was fastened on the Lord Jesus. You would, uh, you would understand if you would have heard or even to read Psalm or Isaiah 61, which is the most hope-inspiring passage of Scripture in all of the Bible. 
Jesus was saying that the raw materials for his redemptive work were the poor, the heartbroken, and those enslaved by sin. He will comfort such people. He will provide for them and do a work of transformation in their life. He says in Isaiah 61 that he would trade their ashes for beauty. And he would not just heal them, but he would transform them and make them into trees of righteousness. This morning as I preach on the subject God cares for the broken, I want to make five simple statements. Number one, I want to say Jesus cares. I want to say plainly that Jesus cares. My, what a wonderful truth and a wonderful thought that Jesus cares not just for the good, but he cares for the broken and he cares for the hurting. May I say today that all of us feel at times that there is no one that cares for us. You may be alone today and you may feel as if you're the only person in the world like you and that nobody cares about you. You may feel as if no one cares for your needs, your hurts, your wants, your loneliness, your sorrows, and the difficulties that you face. All of us at times feel like no one cares. I want to say this morning, Jesus cares for you. The Bible says in Psalm 142 in verses 4, 5, and 6, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me no man cared for my soul. Those are the words of the psalmist. Those are not the words of one that has rejected God. These are the words are of, of one that has received God. These are not the words of one that has turned his back on heaven and turned his back on truth, but this is one who has embraced God's law and God's truth. And he in this day said there was no refuge and I feel as if no man cares for my soul. But he goes on to say, I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. If you look to the right and there's nobody that cares for you, and you look to the left, there's no one that cares for you, you look all around and you feel like nobody cares for you, and there may be some truth in that. If you look heavenward and you look upward, you'll find one that does care for you. And the psalmist said, I found no refuge around me, but when I looked to God, I said, Thou art my refuge. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus cares for us. As I go through the Word of God and I find those that would be in a category 
of despicable people, uh, those that would be uh, uh, folks that uh, you would not want to be around, folks that have chosen a low level of living, and as a result, misery had come into their life. You would think that nobody would care about them, but folks, I want you to know this morning, God cares for you, and God cares for the lowest of the low, no matter where they are. As I look at the Word of God in the book of Genesis and I begin to learn about a man by the name of Jacob, a man that had deceived and connived everyone that he came across for personal gain. It left Jacob in a state of being broken and being lonely. The Bible tells us of the nights that he slept on the ground and he, and he couldn't sleep and he, and he couldn't find any peace and he couldn't find any rest. God cared for Jacob. May I say, if God cared for Jacob, God cares for us. God cares. I go to the New Testament and I find a multitude of people that Jesus loved and cared for. But I find one in particular that gets my attention when I think of the magnitude of the care that the Lord Jesus had for sinners. Oh, he had preached to the multitude of people. He had brought the little children and he sat them on his knee and he said, For such is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, but one day he told his disciples to get into a boat and they went to the other side and as they came to land just on the other side, uh, there was a cemetery there uh, just uh, on land, just from the water and he went there on purpose because there was a man there that was referred to as a maniac of Gadara. It's interesting when you read what the people of that town attempted to do. The Bible said that no man could tame him. The man was so, uh, was so uh, destroyed by sin and selfishness that they had not tried to love him. They'd like to tr they they'd tried to tame him as you would tame a wild beast. A beast. Oh, but can I tell you, Jesus cared for him. He cared for the disciples that were on the boat that came across the water, but he also cared for the maniac of Gadara. The Bible said he would cry in the night. The Bible said that he wore no clothes. Ah, oh, but Jesus, when Jesus found him, uh, Jesus cared for him. And just a few verses you'll find that the maniac of Gadara is seated beside the Lord Jesus and he's clothed and, in his, and he's in his right mind and he's loving Jesus and thanking Jesus that Jesus cared for him. I want to say today, Jesus cares for you. Are you alone today? Jesus cares for you. Are you hurting today? Jesus cares for you. Do you feel as though you're helpless? Do you feel as though you're hopeless this morning? I want you to know the King of all kings and the, uh, the King of all glory, he loves you and he cares for you. Has the devil been on your shoulder lately whispering in your ear saying there's no hope, uh, there's no help, and there's no reason for you to live? I want to tell you this morning the most wonderful news you ever heard in your life. Uh, the devil not only is a liar, but God does care for you. That brings me to the second part. Not only does Jesus care, Jesus came. Hey, there's a great big difference that's a great big addition to the fact that Jesus cared. Jesus came. You see, it is one thing to hear about someone that cares. It is yet another to know that someone not only cares, but they came to where you are. 
The whole of Christianity can be summed up in the fact that Christ came to man. The Lord Jesus left the portals of glory and God took upon him the form of human flesh to live among sinful men. He experienced life in a sinful world of fallen men as you and I are today. Jesus knows what it is to suffer at the hands of others. Jesus knows the feeling of hunger. Jesus knows the feeling of thirst. Jesus felt pain in that body. Jesus had nights where there was no place to lay his head. Jesus came to us. He didn't just send help. He just didn't send condolences. But Jesus cared and he came to earth where we are. Oh, there's so many stories in the Bible about it, but I call your attention to the story that's recorded in Luke chapter 19. There was a, a, a man there by the name of, of, of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the Bible said, was small of stature. He was a tax collector, and in those days, uh, that meant a very negative or had a very negative connotation. He had heard about Jesus caring for others. He had heard how Jesus had healed, how Jesus had loved, and how Jesus had fed. Naturally, that attracted uh, Zacchaeus, a man that was not very well liked by others. And though he had a job that lined his pockets, it did not line his soul. Though it took care of him on the outside, it left him empty uh, on the inside. He said, I want to go see who this Jesus is. And so the Bible tells us that uh, Zacchaeus, uh, he climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. I don't know exactly how it was, but I believe often, off in the distance that uh, Jesus was speaking to a crowd of people. I can imagine the children that are gathered right there around Jesus. Uh, the disciples dare not anymore uh, tell the children to move away for Jesus has expressed his love for the children and said uh, that the children uh, represent... Uh, the faith that he's looking for. And he said, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Around those uh, children are uh, the disciples and around those uh, uh, Zacchaeus as he has climbed up in a tree and he watches Jesus and he sees that uh, a crippled man is brought to Jesus and a blind man and a deaf and he watches as Jesus heals him. He watches as Jesus feeds the multitude. Oh, how he just wants to get a glimpse of this man that cares. How he just wants to to get a glimpse of this man who came. Oh, but wait a minute. Jesus leaves uh, from where he is teaching uh, and there's several paths that he could take and there were several roads that he could take. Oh, but he's walking toward where Zacchaeus is in that uh, sycamore tree and as Zacchaeus sits there and he watches his Jesus and he wonders, uh, boy, he's going to come close uh, to where I am. I wonder if he's coming uh, to uh, uh, on this road. I wonder if he's coming uh, uh, to where I am in this tree. And sure enough, not only did Jesus take the path where the tree was beside uh, that path, when Jesus got to the sycamore tree, he stopped. And he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. 
He said, I'm going to your house today. Can I tell you something, dear friend? The most wonderful thing in all of the world is for you to hear right now, not only that Jesus cared, but Jesus came and into your life right now, you're hearing the wonderful words that Jesus loves you. And Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Oh, I hear, I hear the scorners out there. Uh, do you hear them talking? They're saying, oh, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Well, I thought better of him than that. I would expect to see him around the good people and the righteous people. He's down there around old... Oh, Zacchaeus, the old tax collector. Boy, if he knew what kind of man he was, if he knew what kind of fellow he had been, can I tell you something? Jesus knew exactly what kind of fellow he was. Jesus knew exactly where that man had been. And Jesus went to his house on purpose. And I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter where you've gone. It doesn't matter how far in sin you've gone. Jesus has come to your house. And the gospel is for you today. And his love is for you today. Can you see the Lord Jesus and the disciples as they minister? And off in a distance is a, a group of men. And uh, they recognize as they would get closer that it is a group of lepers. A group of leprous men that were required by law. That if anybody came close to them, they would have to say, unclean, unclean. Uh, you talk about social distancing. They didn't allow that. And you couldn't get close to one uh, that was a leper. Ah, but Jesus cared. And Jesus cared so so much he left the crowd and he went to where the lepers were he came right where they were he touched them and he made them whole and that's exactly what Jesus would do for you today if you would let him can I tell you when I could not go to where he was he came to me I love the words of the song that says he came to me when I was bound in chains of sin he came to me when I possessed no hope within he picked me up and drew me gently to his side where today in his sweet love I now abide he came to me oh he came to me when I could not come to where he was he came to me the religions of the world they require you to go where they are the religions of the world they require you to go to where they are oh but Jesus he said I'll come to where you are first of all Jesus cares second of all Jesus came number three I just want to make this statement Jesus can Jesus can he, he, he's not just a physician that's hoping he can give some relief. He's a physician that can heal. He's not somebody that can just uh, help you and relieve the symptoms for a little while. Jesus is the one that can. They made the statement that rebellious crowd is recorded in Psalm number 78. As they found themselves in the wilderness, they asked the question, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Uh, can God feed us out here? There's no food. Ah, uh, the answer comes back loud and clear. Yes, He can. He can. He can. He can do whatever needs to be done in your life. May I say there many times I meet with folks that are hurting. I meet with folks that are alone and folks that are broken. And I want to help them. The only thing I can do, though, is to console them. I can take the Word of God and tell them of the promises of God and the love of God, but I'm limited. I can sit with them. I can pray with them. I can cry with them. I talked to a man this week whose mother is dying in the hospital. Hospital is a difficult, lonely place. Not a lot of visitors or any visitors are allowed. Families are separated. The doctors have said, there's not anything more we can do. I couldn't go visit him. 
I just talked to him on the phone. Can I tell you something? Jesus can do more than that. Jesus can do more than just come to where you are. He can. You see, He can. He made the crippled limbs straight again. He made the blinded eyes to see again. I can feel for you, but I can't make you blinded eyes whole. I can't make you deaf ears to hear, but Jesus can. Oh, thank God this morning that He is not limited in strength. He is not limited in power. He is not limited in wisdom. He is not limited in might. He is not limited in ability. But He's able. He's able. He can. I love the song that said He's able. He's able. I know He's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He healed the brokenhearted and He set the captive free. He made the lame to walk again and He caused the blind to see. He's able. He's able. Tell the whole world, Jesus can. He can. He can pick you up out of the miry clay and set your feet on a solid rock. He can take the sorrow out of your soul and fill it with a song. He can. God is able to do so. All you say, but preacher, I'm a hard case. Jacob was a hard case and God came. God cared and God can. God changed him and he made him something useful and wonderful. Jacob was lax in his character. He was bad in his choices. He was wrong in his companions. All but can tell you something when he came face to face with God. You see, God can. The thief on the cross could do nothing. He could do nothing but die a deserving death for the crimes that he had committed. And others may could say, we forgive you. And others may could say, don't, don't feel bad toward us. But Jesus could redeem him. And he redeemed him right there on the cross beside him. And he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Saul of Tarshish, a hater of Christians and one who persecuted Christians, cursed Christians, hated Christians, broke up the assembly of Christians. God came to him on the Damascus road. I'm telling you today, not about a 99% cure. I'm telling you about a God that can. Listen to these verses. Ephesians 3 verse number 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 16 For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by Him and for Him. I love this passage of Scripture. It may be familiar to you from the book of the Revelation but it was first spoken and recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and this is when David was praising God. We're talking about a God that can. Listen to what David said as recorded in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse number 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. 
both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, O God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. When we get to heaven, we're going to worship him as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we're going to say that thou art worthy. I want to tell you something today. He is a God that can. If you find yourself under the control of alcohol, God can deliver you. If you find yourself under the control of drugs and narcotics, God can deliver you. If you find yourself under the control of the spells of sin of this old world, of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes... God can deliver you if you find yourself estranged from every friend you ever had. God can deliver you if you find yourself as low as can be and beyond where you thought any mortal man could go. God can. He's able to deliver you. I want to say this morning that God cares. I want to say this morning that God came. I want to say number three, that God can. And then number four, to me it gets better God converts. God converts. Often we don't think of this word properly. When we call someone a convert, we're typically thinking of someone that has accepted Christ and someone that's following Christ. He is a convert. But convert or convert means to change. It means to change into something else. It means to transform. It means to go from one thing to another. Uh, we have a lot of things that, uh, uh, we have conversion charts for a lot of things. For example, we have a conversion chart that will uh, go from standard to metric or metric to standard. We have a conversion chart that will go from Fahrenheit to Celsius or Celsius to Fahrenheit. We have a conversion chart for uh, feet to, to meters or, or ounces to pounds or pesos to dollars. Can I tell you what God did when He converted me? He began the conversion process. You see, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was broken, but now I'm useful. I'm whole. Uh, once I was useless, now God has made me into something that's useful. It's not what I can do for God, but it's what God could make me into. Into. It's what God can make you into. You see, Jesus not only cares and came and can, Jesus converts. Think of this. Isaiah 61.3. Now this is what Jesus was reading as recorded in Luke chapter 4. I'm reading from Isaiah 61 verse number 3. The Bible says this, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion... To give unto them beauty for ashes. That's God's conversion chart. The oil of joy for mourning. Wouldn't you rather have the oil of joy rather than mourning? That's the, God's conversion. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Think about that. You see, if you're alone, you have a, a, spirit, a, a spirit or a cloak of heaviness. Oh, it feels like the weight of the world is on you. But when God saves, God converts, and He gives us the garment of praise in place of the spirit of heaviness. And then He says this, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. You know what He said? 
you may be nothing but sawdust, but I can make a mighty oak tree out of you. Uh, or, uh, I've heard it said, an oak tree is nothing but a worthless nut that stood its ground. You see, you take that acorn that, that stands its ground, it becomes a mighty oak. You see, God converts. Oak trees are found all over the world. You can find them in small sizes or you can find them more than 100 feet tall. Oak trees grow slowly. <clears throat> At about 20 years, they begin to bear acorns. Oak trees will live between two and 400 years. Oak trees provide excellent timber, and the Bible talks about in Ezekiel 27, timber for ships. It talks about timber to mark graves, timber that will last a long time, a generation. It talks about using timber as a landmark. You know what God is saying here? God will make you into something useful. God does not come to you to bring comfort in your sins. He comes to save you and to convert you from that life to a new life in Christ. The song says, I was once a sinner, but I came pardon to receive from my Lord. Can I tell you something? Not only does He care, not only did He come, not only is He a God that can, but He's a God that converts. You take anyone that is a worthy servant of God, they came from being just a sinner. I mean some, and I could tell you many stories today of those that came from a life of alcoholism to a life that is useful for God. A life of sin that has separated them from society, but now they're leaders and examples in society of a light shining for Christ. Oh, the work of God to convert a child. Then last of all, I want to say Jesus calls. He doesn't save us and change us to just turn us loose, but He calls those that He cared about. He calls those that He came for. He calls those that He converted. He calls them to serving Him. The Lord Jesus not only came to help the broken, but to convert the broken into something that could be of help to someone else. May I say, the second major story of the Bible is someone who has been saved helping others to be saved. You see, the first story is Jesus came to save men. But not only did Jesus come to redeem man from his sins, those who are redeemed can now tell the story of what God did in their life and he'll do the same in their life. You see, Jacob was changed to Israel. Saul of Tarshish was changed to Paul the missionary. Peter the fisherman was changed to Peter the fisher of men. He told the maniac of Gadara, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. You too can help another who is broken. You're watching me right now and you're broken. You're broken by sin. Or you're broken by bad decisions. You're broken by circumstances of life. Doesn't matter. You're broken. God wants to make you whole so you can help someone else who's broken. You see, the joy of being made whole is to become 
useful for God. The greatest day in my life was when I trusted Christ as my Savior. The next greatest thing I can do then is to tell another how if they will put their faith and trust in Him, He will save them as He saved me. Aren't you glad that God cares? Aren't you glad that God came? Aren't you glad that God can? Aren't you glad that God converts? And aren't you glad that God calls and says, Go tell others what I have done for you. Wherever you are right now, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you ought to call on Him now for salvation. You ought to tell Him, I am a sinner. Lord, my sins have separated me from You and they're so heavy. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I accept You as my Savior. You ought to accept Him now. You may be a Christian, but you're broken and you're hurting because you're away from God today. You're hurting because of things that you've done, mistakes you've made. Can I tell you something? God loves you. And, and, and I think of the life of Peter. God saved him. But Peter, because of bad decisions, he ended up with a terrible testimony. And Jesus told him, he said, Peter, when thou art converted, restore thy brethren. And Peter goes on to a life that is restored from brokenness even after being saved. And God uses him to preach on the day of Pentecost to sound at the trumpet of love and sound the trumpet of the second chance that God wants you to have. I'm glad this morning that God loves us. Heavenly Father, I pray that the decisions that should be made, they would be made right now. I pray, Lord, for the one that is so heavy laden because of their sin and they've never been born again, I pray that you'd save them now. I pray for the Christian that's wavered. And Lord, as the psalmist cried and said, I feel as though my bones are broken. I cannot sing nor can I stand to hear others sing. And he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I pray that you would do that for many right now. Bless our time as she plays on this invitation song. Now wait just a minute before you turn it off. Wait, wait, wait just a minute. Do you need to make a decision? It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to receive it. I told the story in Sunday school that in the year of 1833, Andrew Jackson was the president and a man had been convicted of a crime and the court had sentenced him to be executed. He had, they had sentenced him to die. There was a man who was his friend that also was a friend of President Andrew Jackson. He went to the president and he said, this is a, this is a good man. He did make a mistake. But would you, would you be willing to pardon him? And Andrew Jackson pardoned the man. They took the pardon in writing and they took it to the man and the man said, no, I'm not going to take it. The story I read did not tell the reason why he rejected the pardon. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do with the man. Actually, the Supreme Court in 1833 heard the case. What do you do with a man that rejects a pardon? And the Supreme Court, and I read a part of the decision in Sunday school, they said, for a pardon to be delivered, 
it must be received for the delivering to be complete. It's not enough that it's offered, it must be received. And we cannot force a man to receive a pardon that rejects the pardon. The man was executed and he died for his crimes because he refused the pardon. Don't be a lost person today that refuses a full and free pardon that God has for you. Don't be the Christian that refuses and rejects forgiveness that's available to you. Receive it today. God wants you to have it. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a God that cares. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that came. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that can. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that converts. And thank you, Lord, that you're a God that calls us into the wonderful ministry of sharing the good news that Jesus saves. Bless our dear people today. Oh, how I love them and look forward to the day that we can assemble again in this place. The church can be back together again. Until that time, I pray that you'd bless them and meet their needs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.